I'm sure most of you have heard about the civil unrest sweeping across this country. It had its peak in early June, but now it's ongoing for nearly 58 days in Portland, and it's expected to get worse tonight. There's protests planned in various places, and we're seeing militias march in Louisville, Kentucky. But depending on which source you get your news from, you've either heard that these are violent riots or they're peaceful protests. I'm assuming that if you're someone who's a regular viewer of mine, you've probably heard me refer to them as violent riots. I have evidence to back this up. But the bigger point I want to make today is going through the news, the claims put out by very powerful, large mainstream institutions, fact checking them, showing you what's really going on to the best of my abilities and breaking down the lies. But it got me thinking. Donald Trump has long said that the media, the fake news is the enemy of the people. What does it really mean to be the media? Uh, it, it depends. It depends on your colloquial understanding of the word. I mean, to be honest, I'm a member of the media and I have a massive audience much larger than some of these news organizations. But with their combined viewership, there are people in media who operate simply to push a political narrative, maybe to make money, maybe to help someone win an election. I honestly don't know. But the fake news is seriously bad right now. And it may be the worst I have ever seen it. Dare I say it seems that certain portions of our media institutions, I'm being very careful with my language here, are proving Trump is right. They absolutely are the enemy of the people. I'll give you a simple example. How many news stories have emerged saying that unmarked, unidentified police are snatching up people off the streets? I mean, dozens, hundreds. The articles are running rampant from, from some fake news article emerges a fake op-ed which begets us more fake op-eds. The reality is there were two instances and the police are clearly identified with badges and with police patches on their chests and a federal court has even ruled as such. Now you can disagree with the morality of this tactic of policing, but it is a fact that police use unmarked vehicles across the country. That's not, that's not uh, new. And it's a fact that there are plain clothes police officers, not new either. And it's a fact that this news is so insanely fake. I believe it's causing massive and serious damage to our country. And it really does feel like if someone doesn't get a handle on this, if something isn't done, we're going to implode. But hey, people are allowed to speak. So the best I can do is make a video like this going through the latest news pertaining to the ongoing unrest, notably in the Pacific Northwest, to tell you what's really happening and show you the proof again. You can disagree absolutely with the morality of the policing. I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong. I'm going to show you that the media is lying. Why? I don't know. Maybe they're just inept. But this is a very serious problem, which is resulting in damage to our to our institutions. Police in Seattle now telling residents they cannot protect them as the riots sweep through the city. Should we have police? Well, it depends on your perspective. But if you believe what the mainstream media has been telling you, you probably have a warped view of what's going on. If you don't believe me, give me about 15 or 20 minutes to break down exactly how they lied and show you where the lies are. Again, morality isn't the question. The question is, are you being told the truth? Now, before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, subscribe and share this video. I am, I am doing this video intending 
to reach people who might not be familiar with what's going on with the fake news and why Donald Trump refers to the fake news as the enemy of the people. I'll give you a really simple example. The Washington Post's Eric Wemple, who's not that bad, says Trump called the media the enemy of the people. He means it. But Trump has repeatedly clarified and stated he's saying the fake news, the people at these media companies who write fake stories for reasons we don't yet. We, we can't say we can't read minds. We can assume it's for politics. It's for money. But Trump is talking about the fake news. And he specifically refers to certain organizations, say CNN, which absolutely has put out fake news. I'm going to prove it. Give me a second. We're going to walk through some of these stories. First, let me show you this story from the Washington Post, because I think it's appropriate considering what we just saw from the, from the other Washington Post story. They say it was like being preyed upon. Portland protesters say federal officers in unmarked vans are detaining them. Wow. Sounds scary. Sounds crazy. Unmarked vans. Here's where the story begins. Let me read it. Federal customs officials said Friday their agents had detained a demonstrator in Portland in a widely seen video circulating online that showed two men in apparent apparent military garb, taking a young man wearing all black into custody, defending the apprehension by describing the man as being suspected of attacking federal agents and property. The defense came as federal authorities were under criticism for their tactics from elected officials. In a statement Friday, CBP said its agents had taken the action in the video and that they had information indicating the person in the video was suspected of assaults against federal agents or destruction of federal property. Notice how the story that first emerged just said unmarked vans. That's true. The vans are not marked. How then did the story start to evolve from unmarked vehicles to secret police force? NPR saying grabbing unmarked people. Then we see CNN mysterious arrest video with unidentified police. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait a minute. At first, we knew they were police. Now they're unidentified police and it evolves. Unidentified federal officers are scooping up protesters in Portland. Are other cities next? Wait, wait, what do you mean are other cities next? This is just happening in Portland and they're not unidentified federal officers. They were just in an unmarked van. They're clearly marked as police. Do you see how that evolution happened? The first story says unmarked vehicles. They then say unidentified police admitting we know that they are police, but but which agency, which badges? Now, this is actually a lie. We know what agency they're wearing the patches on their arms. We can see it in the videos. It then becomes unidentified federal officers still in the realm of police. Then it's Homeland Security was destined to become secret police. Then barely worth the discussion. The DHS official dismisses uproar over use of unmarked vehicles in Portland. You see how the story just keeps moving on and evolving. And then we come to one of the latest pieces by Vox, the crisis of the Republican Party. How did we go from two viral videos of cops using a, 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 a longstanding tactic of unmarked vehicles? It happens everywhere across this country with clearly identifiable patches on their arms and police on their chest. Yes, they have badge numbers to all of a sudden, it's the Republican Party. This is why Donald Trump and many others say the press is the enemy of the people. I do not believe that many of the, the, the journalists who are doing this realize they're doing it. I think many of, many of them are completely inept. They see a story and the language changes. One story going back two weeks persists to this day. New stories get written over and over again, where now, a week later, 
having only two video clips of identifiable DHS police officers becomes a crisis of the Republican Party on July 24th, where they literally say in the piece, they say in both cases referring to reconstruction, it was uniformed soldiers, not unidentified state security forces from an alphabet soup of obscure DHS agencies. They were being used to protect moves towards racial progress. They say outside of Northern Ireland, there is no example of state security forces being deployed under circumstances like this in any democratic state. This is, a, this is an op-ed piece that is just taking all of the fake news that's been written by a ton of people, and they've, they've pushed the story to its extremes. Information laundering. What started as someone wearing a helmet in all black who is suspected of engaging in rioting, being questioned for but an hour and a half, turns into Trump's secret police. But hold on. A judge denied the Oregon attorney general's motion to restrict federal police actions. Why? Because as it turns out, the judge says they were clearly identified as police. He says in both instances of a federal seizure, it is either admitted or clearly visible that the agent's uniform say police. Beyond the two examples, the state failed to show that the federal officers were involved in any widespread unlawful practice or that others would be harmed in the future. It has presented no evidence of any official orders or policies and has presented no evidence that these allegedly illegal seizures are a widespread practice. Despite the broad language in the complaint, Oregon has shown at most that this type of seizure has happened twice. And what? The people were detained? That's it? So why is the media pushing the lie? I'll tell you. Most of these people are playing a game of telephone. Someone writes a story. The, 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 the Washington Post literally just says it's unmarked vans detaining people. So what? Have you ever been to any major city? Have you ever thought critically about what it's like when you're in New York and you see a taxi cab full of cops? It's because in New York, there are many different unmarked vehicles. You ever get pulled over by a state trooper in an unmarked vehicle? It's totally normal. So why the framing? Why the false framing about what's really going on? And from there, the game of telephone turns unmarked vans into unidentified federal officers into a secret police force. They're not. That's just absolutely not true. And from there, it becomes political. Trump is determined to split the country in two. That's what they say. He's trying to portray blue cities as a threat. We then get this story. Philadelphia's top prosecutor is prepared to arrest federal agents as Trump, after Trump said he would send more agents into more cities. The media is now telling us your city will be just like Portland. Are more cities next, they say? Over at WBUR, are other cities next? why it would seem so. And the, and the Philly district attorney says, I'll arrest these federal officers. In the first sentence, Bloomberg saying, numerous reports and lawsuits regarding unbadged and ununiformed federal officers arresting, beating, and detaining people in unmarked vehicles. Where did that come from? I showed you the original article. They didn't say anything about that. They said it was an unmarked van and people got detained. That's it. And from there, Bloomberg publishes a story nearly a week later saying they're being beaten and arrested. They weren't arrested. They were detained for questioning. That was it. And they have badges and they're in uniform. Where did this come from? They made it up. From that, which they made up, Trump and many others will say the media, the fake news media, to clarify, 
is the enemy of the people. When Washington Post writes a story and says unmarked you know, vehicles are, are detaining people, well, that's fine. It, it literally happened. There were two instances. I think it's important to note the context, just two instances of this. And again, you can complain about the morality of doing that. That's not the point. The point is, how did we get from there to here? Because the media doesn't do the reporting. They play a game of telephone and everybody then gets confused. They're confused about what's really happening. You see, from here, we now have a, a district attorney in Philly saying he will arrest these agents under the presumption that Trump will be sending camo wearing federal officers in unmarked vehicles, a narrative that they're essentially making up. What Trump has really done is deployed the FBI in Operation Legend. That's what this, they're, they're talking about in Philly. So let me clarify for those that don't understand. Trump said he would send agents to more cities. Philly I'm sorry, he would send agents to more cities. Bloomberg then uses the reports, the numerous game of telephone about things that aren't happening in Portland and conflates Operation Legend, which is FBI investigations into camo wearing riot control cops. Not the same thing. The media is just completely inept and many of them are actually lying on purpose. So whether or not you want to agree with the president that they're, that they're the enemy of the people or not, I hope I've shown you enough so far about how wrong all of these stories are. But I can show you more. Now, notably, I'll, I'll be fair. I showed you the judge's ruling saying the police are clearly identifiable in these two circumstances. Then why are all of these reports coming out claiming people were being beaten? It didn't happen. But take a look at this. FBI media alert, a reward as part of Operation Legend. Operation Legend is not Operation Diligent Valor. Diligent Valor is what we are seeing in Portland. If you don't like that, it's fine. Just make sure you know the truth that Trump wants to deploy FBI agents across the country, DEA agents for investigations, not armored riot control personnel. They're guarding federal buildings in Portland. And he recently announced a tactical team would be deployed to uh, that he'll be deployed to Seattle. Take a look at this. Here's another way the media plays games. No, Obama did not sign the law authorizing arrests of Portland protesters by unidentified federal agents. My, how far we have come. The unidentified federal agents now becomes a fact. And I don't mean literally. I mean, people are just repeating it over and over and over. And it's just not true. I'll tell you what is what, what is true. Obama did sign the NDAA indefinite detention provision. Now, they're not referring to that specifically, but the criticism is that Trump has, I'm sorry, Obama in 2011 empowered future presidents sweeping authorities for arresting individuals with the ACLU saying President Obama's action today, December 31st, 2011, is a blight on his legacy because he will forever be known as the president who signed indefinite detention without charge or trial into law. The executive director of the ACLU said, said the statute is particularly dangerous because it has no temporal or geographic limitations and can be used by this and and future presidents to militarily detain people captured far from any battlefield. The ACLU will fight worldwide detention authority wherever we can, be it in court, in Congress or internationally. That's the NDAA indefinite detention provision. Now, Trump isn't using that. What's happening in Portland is actually really simple. Bellingcat lays it out. Okay. On July 4th, Portland's 39th consecutive night of protests, 
more than a thousand people assembled in front of the Justice Center. They began launching dozens of commercial grade fireworks into the concrete facades of both buildings, prompting a response from the police and federal agents inside both buildings. The whole situation prompted the first major federal response to Portland's nightly protests. I know many of you may have already heard a lot of this stuff because I've covered it in many of my segments, but I'm doing this because there are many people who don't understand just how fake all the news is that's coming out. They don't understand how fake it is. And I was having a conversation with a friend trying to go through all of the layers of fake news, and it is becoming impossible. So I thought maybe I just need to dedicate a whole segment to going through all of this to show you what's really happening. The edge of all out war. Bellingcat's reporter on the ground seems fairly sympathetic to the left wing groups that are throwing commercial grade fireworks at the building, starting fires, trying to cut through the barricades. But as Bellingcat says, it was the 39th night. Now, in, uh, in, in filings from Operation Diligent Valor, they say, on the morning of July 4th, the DHS Rapid Deployment Force implemented tactics intended to positively identify and arrest serious offenders for crimes such as assault, while protecting the rights of individuals engaged in protected free speech activity. You can say they're wrong, that's fine, but the argument is that these people have tried to, they, they broke into the courthouse, okay? They say, it stepped up its response to increasingly violent attacks in the Oregon City on July 4th, the day after a group of people broke into the courthouse, according to the affidavit by the FPS, that's the Federal Protective Service, their regional director, Gabriel Russell. You can argue they're morally wrong. That's fine. Just as long as you know, on July 3rd, it would seem, they broke into the courthouse. Uh, a few days, uh, a few days ago, a few, few, about a week or so ago, it was reported by Bellingcat that people tore down the doors of the courthouse and attacked the federal agents inside. We are not dealing with unidentified, unmarked police. This, to me, is a perfect example of what Trump is saying when he says the enemy of the people. When you see videos from July 17th, where a man was raising a hammer to a federal agent. The video says Portland protest, protest, man caught on video attacking a U.S. marshal with a hammer. Why won't the media, various outlets, dig into the sources on this one? I think I know why. I, I, re, I really do. What we are seeing is news organizations reporting on the reporting on the reporting on somebody who filmed a video and then posted to Twitter. That's what it is. When I cover the news, I try to find the sources of the claims and verify the claims that are made. But many of these news organizations just regurgitate through a game of telephone, a perverse game of telephone, something they read from somebody else. And that's the point I wanted to show you. The initial story from the Washington Post. Portland protesters say federal officers and unmarked vans are detaining them. They know they're federal officers. This evolves into unidentified federal officers are other cities next and the secret police. And that ultimately becomes the most egregious, unbadged, ununiformed beating, arresting in unmarked vehicles. That's where we're at now with the game of telephone. Clearly something that just never happened and was never initially reported. But with each article that gets written, they exaggerate, they push further, and they make it more and more extreme. And that is what the true enemy of the people is. 
not the individuals, but based on their intentions, but perhaps the banality of evil, the individuals who just carry on with writing more and more sensational nonsense based on nonsense, and they make everything worse. To the point where the Seattle Police Department pulls back, defund the police, pulls forward, and we end up with a letter like this. The, the, the Seattle police informs business owners that they are on their own against rioters. The city council has tied their hands. The police do not have the tools to combat mob violence. This is why the media has become the enemy of the people. And I'm going one step beyond Trump, not because they're evil. Some of them, I think, are not because they're trying to hurt you necessarily, but because they aren't doing their job anymore. And this is more so the banality of evil. Journalists who don't fact check, who don't source their information, pundits and activists who have political goals, who like the fact that everyone is confused. And then in that confusion, the, the, the people, the city council, the politicians bend over to these fake stories, this fake paranoid, delusional conspiracy reality, and they strip the police of their ability to do their job. And who gets hurt? The people. That's right. People are being driven, driven mad on social media. Journalists are writing fake news and whipping up a frenzy. Regular people who are seeing this believe the worst is, is happening. They believe that, you know, like all hell is breaking loose. And then they demand the police be stopped. I mentioned this earlier. There's a video from PragerU where their host, Will Witt, asks some young black men, how many, uh, how many unarmed black men do you think were killed last year? Maybe, maybe he said black people. And, the, and someone says 1,400. The answer is actually closer to the single or low double digits, nine or 13, according to your source. USA Today says, in a fact check, the Washington Post lists 13 individuals shot by police, unarmed black men or black people. I'm sorry, 13. And that's a problem. I completely believe it's a problem. But these people increase it by a factor of, you know, what, 100? They believe it was substantially worse than it really was. And when you do, maybe you'll say the police must be stopped. But then we heard, we heard what happened next. People came out, smashed up the windows of the businesses in, 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 in Seattle. And it, and it was the innocents, it was the innocent bystanders, the civilians who ended up getting their windows smashed out. Now, full disclosure, to be, to be completely fair and honest and transparent, the federal a judge has now ruled the police can use their crowd control measures. So, it's good news for the police and it's good news for the citizens. The federal government is intervening to protect the people who are being victimized by mob violence. But the fake news is causing it. And the fake news also exacerbates things like this. In response to these stories about violent militias, we now have two militias marching in Louisville and somebody accidentally discharged a weapon, it would seem. That's how insane and crazy things are getting. The more the media whips up this game of telephone in a desperate attempt to get clicks and get traffic and produce news, the worse things, things are going to become. I bring you back to this story from Vox, where they say Portland, polarization and the crisis of the Republican Party. They actually say that, what is it, uh, a significant portion of the population is OK with what's happening as long as it hurts their enemies. They're creating the other, the villains. They're blaming you. I'll blame the media, OK? The media is a very tiny faction of, of industries, of corporations with tons of power that are manipulating people through laziness, ineptitude, and sometimes willful manipulation. That includes Vox. But Vox wants you to be angry at the Republican Party. 
saying that they want you to be attacked. You know what? I will absolutely take some criticism because I slam the the Democrats all the time. But I slam the political interests, the Democratic Party and the media very much like I'm doing now. I don't know what the solution is. What I do know is you're being lied to. And these lies are making everything get worse. The people in Portland who are attacking the federal government could stop at any moment. Realize this. The far left that comes with commercial grade fireworks, like I showed you from Bellingcat, could just stop. The peaceful protesters who want to, who demand justice from the feds could also demand that the far left stop throwing these, these weapons like they did in that one famous viral video where the man is breaking up the ground. They pick him up and they bring him to the police, but they don't do it. They don't. The polarization will just keep getting worse. So you know what? Vox is correct. There are people who are okay with this so long as it hurts their enemies. And so long as we follow down this track of media playing a game of telephone instead of sourcing the root of their information, things are going to get worse and worse. So I'll tell you what I try to do. I try to make sure that when I report on something, I'm looking at the source information. I don't settle for some op-ed from a conservative website. I use a third-party fact-checking agency, NewsGuard, on all of my sources, and they even give Vox a, a green light. I try to make sure that if someone makes a claim, I watch the video. And there you can, you can see that these people don't do it. July 24th, this is just yesterday, they took a week old story and rewrote it again to its extreme. And so did Bloomberg. So maybe this is why they're the enemy of the people. Maybe this is why Trump is right. The fake news is damaging this country beyond recognition. You can criticize Trump. You can say he's the worst president in the world, and you can vote for Joe Biden if you want, or the Green Party, or the Libertarian Party, anybody you want. I'm not here to tell you what you, what you should believe morally, but I am here to tell you that you're being lied to. I'll leave it there. Share the video if you think it's important people see how bad this stuff is. Otherwise, I don't know what else to do. But I will see you all in the next segment coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you then. Last night in Portland, there's purportedly two different stabbings. Now, I'm not entirely sure it could be the same stabbing, but there is a video going around showing an Antifa guy appear to stab someone. The video is really grainy. It's hard to know exactly what happened, but we'll, we'll get into all of this. Suffice it to say, last night in Portland was one of the craziest nights we've seen yet. The violence is only escalating. The DOJ has announced 18 people have, have, are being charged federally with crimes, arson, assault on an officer. And here's what you can get from the media. All in with Chris Hayes, Mehdi Hassan. It's time we use the F word, fascism. Oh, now's the time we use the word fascism. I I just happened to think you've been, uh, uh, my understanding was that you've been using the word endlessly for the past five years. Fascism, fascism. They use it every single election cycle. Whenever a Republican is running, the Republican is a fascist, blah, blah, blah. Look, I got to be honest, what's going on in Portland is getting, I don't want to say boring, but yeah, and this is how the news cycle works. So I, I, want, I want to talk to you about what happened with these stabbings and go through the evidence, but I want to point out some very important things. The reason the media hasn't been covering, say, the mass riots that just happened in Seattle, did you know about them? If you've been following my videos, you probably do. 150 people showed up at Cal Anderson Park, where the Chaz used to be, and then went around smashing up windows and buildings. There was an explosion and the Seattle police recently just told all of the people of Seattle because they're expecting riots tonight. 
You're on your own. You know why? Because the judge has said you can't use riot control munitions. So the cops are like, we're not going to go out if we can't do anything. So it's on you. A federal judge is now blocking this, apparently saying, no, you guys can do this. Tell them to shut up. We'll see how things play out. But it's getting spicy. It is. There's uh, right now in Louisville, Kentucky, three percenters, and you've got the NFAC coalition, two opposing militias. They're, they're counter marching or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if they're protesting, but things are getting really, really spicy. It's stories like these from MSNBC that have made this happen. If you want to know why it is someone or potentially two people got stabbed in Portland last night, and, I, and I'm hearing it's two, it's just hard to know because we got to dig through everything and the news is just breaking. Blame the media. Blame the media. There's videos. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me jump over and see what we got here. Gary Weiss says, here is a demonstration of how to break into a federal building. Acetylene torches are always brought to protests, as we all know. Why in heaven's name are the feds targeting such peaceful rioters? P.S. This is not a PR guy for the protesters, but a New York Times reporter. Mike Baker tweeted, some protesters are working to cut the fence. The feds are targeting them. This is not a protest anymore, and it's not even a riot. It's something else. When an armed group of far left, you know, they've got knives, they're stabbing people, and they're pulling out torches to cut through the barricades set up at a courthouse, they've already breached the building several times. It's a battle. It's some kind of conflict. Call it whatever you want. Domestic insurrection, fine. But it's not a riot. Now, I, listen, a lot of people, I see comments where they're like, play the videos, if I play the videos, you will not hear me say anything because YouTube will take them down. If you go on Twitter and look up at Gary Weiss, at Mike Baker, at Andy No is probably your best source. That's Andy N-G-O. You can go to Twitter and you can watch these. So I'm going to show you the news and I'm going to show you what I found and what I'm seeing. So I apologize if I can't play all of these videos in their entirety. Otherwise, this video wouldn't exist at all. We have this tweet here from Elijah Schaefer. He said, the alleged perpetrator of the Portland riot stabbing is Antifa. This week, Antifa also threw a blade at federal officers, according to evidence provided by the DOJ. We can see here in a video, this one I can play for you, where someone explains basically what happened. And I believe this is, this is I don't want to say this is the victim, but this is somebody who was with the victim. And here's what they had to say. Sitting in the car right now, there, I've never seen so many federal agents and police in my life. My friend is hidden behind these cars. There's so many people here. He got stabbed by Antifa. And I tried to tell them that this dude was following us. As soon as my friend turned around, this dude stabbed him, tried to run. I'm hearing things that he got beat to death or something and that he got arrested. There's a lot of stuff going around. Uh, I'm in shock mode right now. And uh, just pray for me and pray for my friends, please. So here's that, that. That's what he had to say. Now, apparently there is a video of what happened. All right. I don't know if it is the right video. It's the video that's going around. People are asking, is there video showing what happened with Antifa? Yes. And again, I can't really play the whole thing in its entirety, but I can show you some stills. You can see here, this is the man who was purported, uh, who was, they say, he. Uh, this is the guy they say was stabbed. All right. This is the guy in the overalls who apparently walked up, was, was following them for some time. So this guy fell back. And then when this dude was walking up to the cameraman, he came around, put his arm around him. I wonder if we can advance a little bit. You can see right here, he came but put his, put his arm around the guy. And then the other guy makes a gesture where this dude in black falls over and they start yelling. 
He just stabbed him. He just stabbed him. Get him, get him, get him. Well, they did get him. Here's a tweet where I show the image again. The video is, it's hard to see. I hope I have this right one. Yes. So, so here, Andy Noe has tweeted, a mob beats a man in the middle of downtown Portland. They say he stabbed someone. They said, arrest him now. Who do they, uh, who do they want to arrest him? So this is another thing that people have been pointing out in this instance. There's a video in the video. They're yelling, call the cops. This guy stabbed somebody. But I believe these are not Antifa who are like yelling, hey, my friend got stabbed. The people who are the, the video that went up says one of our reporters gets attacked while confronting Antifa following them is from the common sense conservative. So you can see that right here on YouTube and you can see in the comments, man, look what people are saying. That's why you should keep your hands off people, evade and survive. Dude, he never should have went and put his arm around him like a tough guy. Not saying this was his fault, but I'm saying you guys need to maintain distance. Never let yourselves be that vulnerable. That's a really, really good point. My, my position is don't violate you know, the, the non-aggression principle as someone else. Someone else said that, but I agree with it, right? If someone's following you, look, man, in America, you can walk down the street. It might be annoying, but if you go up and you grab someone, they could snap and go nuts. And we know Antifa is nuts. So, so keep your distance, stay safe. But more importantly, don't put your hands on people. That's, that's it, man. Don't put your hands on people. A lot of people are saying, don't get that close to Antifa. They're violent. They don't care about you. That's another really good point. A lot of people are saying there was another stabbing. And we, I do believe I have, I have a clip of that as well. This is from Black Rebel. He says, I got stabbed in Portland by Antifa on my way to hospital. I don't know if this is the same guy. I don't think it is because I looked at some of his tweets. But again, listen, man, I'm just trying to give you a base level of, of understanding of what's going on. There have been a few people who are like, oh, you're just pulling up videos. Yes, not everybody knows who the sources are. Not everybody knows who to follow. Not everybody knows what's going on. We'll get a clearer picture as things develop. For the time being, it would seem that the dude got stomped out. The Antifa guy in the overalls, whatever, he got stomped out. This is all following, as most of you know. What are we on? 58? Day 58? I don't even I don't even know, because I'll tell you this. Every time I read an article, it's like 55. Then later in the day, they're like 56. And I'm like, do you mean tonight or do you mean, to, do you mean tomorrow? Like, what day did this start? All right. I think it's not 58. I think it might be a 57 or whatever, but whatever, man. It started, I think, on May 25th, but it's like gotten a lot worse. Now, there are photos popping up. Thousands of people showing up in Portland. Thousands. And it is the fault of the media. This story right here, the fault of the media. You see, Antifa far leftists, it was a small group, breached the courthouse on July 4th. Even left wing sources confirm that they broke in. They cut through. And as I mentioned, the tweet from Gary Weiss, they're using a torch to try and cut through the barricades that the police have set up. A torch to cut metal. This is not a riot. This is tactical some kind of tactical insurgency, call it whatever you want. But they did get in the building on the 39th night. That's according to Bellingcat, which, which seems to be very sympathetic to these extremists. After that, the feds came out and started putting up barricades and protecting the building. Protecting the building includes going around and clearing the streets of people who are throwing explosives, you know, commercial grade fireworks and bringing torches and weapons. We recently got a ruling from a federal judge. The state of, of Oregon sued the feds, tried to get a restraining order stopping the feds from enforcing the law. And they were arguing that the secret unmarked police had, had jumped out of an unmarked vehicle and snatched some people up. The judge straight up ruled 
Nope. The only the only evidence they have are two moments where the police claim they detained people and moved them to the courthouse so that the, so a large crowd wouldn't form. That was it. They're also easily identifiable. The judge even said in the only two instances you can show of these unmarked secret police, they're clearly marked. They have their badges on. They have their patches on, on their chest, on their arms. And apparently the judge said, you know, he, he was like, even if it's not, there's no probable cause, showing two instances is not widespread. So demanding a restraining order, it makes no sense. Yeah, the law as it stands is operating as the law is supposed to. The, the officers are allowed to detain in question. The officers asserted probable cause. They said this person matched the description of someone who committed violence. And now the media has run rampant with a fake narrative about secret police. And the media has drawn out all these people. So let me tell you, while they're blaming Trump, saying Trump sending in the feds is causing all of this, they're lying to you. The whole thing, the entire time has been lies. So you want, you want to talk about who's at fault for the stabbing? I get it. Look, you're going to see a lot of people saying he shouldn't have gone up and grabbed the guy. That's the initial act of aggression. The dude, you know, overreacted. I personally think don't stab people. Guy puts, puts his arm around your neck. You push him off, but you don't put your arm around somebody's neck. But I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't care about that squabble. All right. Don't stab somebody. And the dude who did get arrested. I, I, I believe so. I, there's like a video of it. More importantly, it's the fault of the media. The media is propping up these extremists, lying about what's going on to embolden them and supply them with reinforcements. Why? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. It's going to backfire on Democrats. I think the media wants sensational shock content. So they're like, just claim that the Trump people, the, the, the feds, the law enforcement are evil because it plays into everyone's you know, pre-existing uh, narrative and it'll make more. That's that's the, that's the game, right? The media says, listen, we got 10 people, you know, breaching the courthouse and the feds repelled them. What do we do? Make up the most insane nonsense possible to get more protesters so we can get more nights of this. I'll tell you who it helps. Donald Trump. It's the same thing they did in 2015 and 16. They wouldn't stop airing all of Trump. No matter what he did, he, they, they gave him all of this airtime, $5 billion in free press coverage. And all of this right now, Trump couldn't ask for a more compliant media. They're so desperate and stupid and deceitful that Trump is sending in law enforcement. People see these videos and he's like, I'm going to enforce the law. And now they are. Check this out. 18 arrested facing federal charges related to violence in downtown Portland. Charges include arson, assaulting a federal officer and damaging government property. Attorney, uh, U.S. Attorney Billy J. Williams on Friday announced 18 people have been arrested on federal charges for their alleged roles in the violence at the federal courthouse in downtown Portland. Those nonviolent protests, blah, blah, blah. I'm more interested in the violent ones. U.S. Marshal Service deputies and officers from the FPS, Homeland Security Investigations and CBP, were, uh, uh, working to protect the courthouse have been subjected to nightly threats and assault from demonstrators while performing their duties. Members of the media were allowed to tour the courthouse on Friday. Williams said anyone who defends the destruction is only enabling it. Blaming federal agents for protecting federal property is an easy out for people who want to politicize this. You have to ask the community how long they are willing to tolerate this mindless violence. Meanwhile, the Justice Department and Homeland Security offices of Inspector General uh, opened investigations into the conduct of federal officers during the protests following complaints from the public and Congress. Gassing, assaulting, batoning on the streets of our city, not here, not allowed, and we will put an end to it. Yes, 
Not allowed, they say, except they literally do this all the time. I'm talking about crowd control. It's not new. It's, in, it's totally normal. You can talk about how you don't like it. But listen, in Seattle, you want to know what recently happened? The city council said the cops have no right. They're, they're not allowed to use riot control munitions. So the police sent out a newsletter to local businesses saying we will not put our officers in harm's way. If the city council doesn't want us to use crowd control, we will not be there. But now here's the update. Federal judge blocks Seattle council's law banning police anti-riot gear. The judge called his restraining order very temporary and called for constructive talks between the city and the Justice Department. Fox reports. In a ruling Friday night, a federal judge blocked a new Seattle law prohibiting police from using pepper spray and other anti-riot weapons. The new law was set to take effect Sunday, but U.S. District Judge James Robart granted a request by the federal government to block the measure, the Seattle Times reported. The Seattle City Council passed the new law unanimously last month, hoping to reduce violent clashes between police and protesters. This is the stupidity of these left-wing politicians. I'm sorry, I gotta say it. When the far left shows up, and they say, burn down that stat, bring that statue down, burn that building down. And the government goes, in order to prevent any violence, we're going to do everything they say. Do you know what you're telling them? You are telling the far left that it worked. You are telling them their violence worked and you will give them what they want. 150 people marched around downtown Seattle, smashing up windows, stealing merchandise from businesses and burning it in the street. Why? Because the police we're told, let them out, let them do their thing. And the, and, and the politicians are like, but it will stop the violent clashes. Oh, you're right. It will stop the violent clashes between the police. Let me tell you what Trump is doing. The, C- the Seattle City Council, 100% correct. Oh, no, no, hear me out. They did successfully stop some violent clashes between the police and the rioters. They just replaced it with violent clashes between the po- uh, between local businesses and the rioters. Now the rioters are still getting violent, but there is nothing protecting the people. And that's what Trump is doing with Operation Diligent Valor and Operation Legend. I am no fan of police militarization. I've covered it. I've talked. I've spoken out against it. In my opinion, I don't like the idea. I believe we need better constraints on what police use, what they're wearing, kind of gear they have. I get it. You know, all these things. But what we are seeing in Portland is not police militarization. Just because they're wearing camo doesn't mean they are the military. Just because these officers have, this looks like they're just guarding a building surrounded, you know, here's what it says. Seattle police officers hold weapons as they stand guard outside the East Precinct building. That's them guarding their own police department. The existence of law enforcement is not a suppression of your rights. Now, if 300 federal agents in full tacked out, you know, decked out gear, and they've got no badges. Okay, then I'm concerned, except the only issue for the left, they are identifiable. If they show up in APCs with live ammo, and they litter the streets with tear gas, and not one protester did anything to warrant it, we call out the police brutality. I have seen it happen. I've seen police instigate. I've seen the famous Tony Baloney video from Occupy where he walked up to, it was, I, th- I believe, four women standing on the sidewalk doing nothing, and he just sprays them in the face. That guy got in trouble. He got reassigned to Staten Island, and everybody made fun of him. But what was happening now in, in Portland is not overt militarization of the police. They're using pepper ball guns. They're like paintballs. They're using tear gas. This has been going on forever. You can argue no tear gas, fine. It doesn't seem to affect the, the, the rioters anyway, but I don't know what tactics you want, you want to talk about. Militarization, 
You got to have badges. You got to have badge numbers. My big issue is let's talk about let's talk about when they can use certain tactics and tools. That's it. Oversight control. Now, here's what's happening with Trump and the deployment of legend. Operation legend, as you heard, is just like FBI going to field offices. Yeah, they're going to investigate. Diligent valor is what's going on in Portland. This is specifically CBP, U.S. Marshals and ICE and FPS protecting a courthouse. If the far left doesn't go to the courthouse, in fact, I'll I'll one up it. If the far left and these groups of people went to the courthouse and the protesters, the real ones, held the extremists accountable, none of this would happen. Period. None of it would happen. The police wouldn't come out because there's a guy with a torch cutting through a barricade. There's people starting fires. And that's when they come out. So I'll tell you what. You see these videos. And I've been following many, many journalists, and and they all show very similar things. The federal police do not react for the most part. I say for the most part, because from the videos I've seen, and I've seen probably like 50 to 100, you'll see like in that video of Mayor Ted Wheeler standing on the fence and the feds are doing nothing. They're going, you must disperse. You must. And then you see mortar shells flying over. Boom, boom, banks and fires being started. And then the feds say, time to move, time to get out. You're throwing weapons and explosives. Now, Remember that video I showed several times, maybe you saw it, where I think it was in DC, I'm not sure, an Antifa guy is hammering the sidewalk and the protesters grab him and bring him to the police. Amazing. They said, stop this guy. Then you get your protest. But if the protesters won't stop the far left from throwing explosives, cutting through the, trying to knock the barricades down, well, then you're going to get, you're going to get riot controlled the same as anybody else. What we are seeing in Seattle not, not even Portland, it's Seattle, but Portland as well. The, the, the people are, the, the, the police are being told not to intervene. And so the police are like, we're not going to be there for you. So this is what most people are afraid of. And this is what feeds right into Trump's hands. You see, Trump is now going to point out the very, very obvious and real fact. In Seattle, they told the police, you can't use riot gear. And so the police said, then we don't go out. Then the rioters went out and destroyed businesses. The violent clashes still happened, except the only difference, it wasn't just the police fighting protests or rioters. It was rioters destroying the lives of innocent people. And that's what you can expect probably today, because it's, 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 a, it's supposed to get a lot crazier tonight. And if the police can't do their jobs, well, then they won't. I don't know if the Seattle police are planning on coming out. We do have this ruling, which is, which is very interesting. They say this, the U.S. Justice Department argued that the inability to use pepper spray, blast balls, and other devices might actually lead to more police use of force, not less. And that, that's, listen, if you take away less lethal tactics and strategies, then what do the police have to do? In a normal circumstance, where a regular old beat cop, just walking down the street, he's got his taser, and he's got his, you know, his, his, his gun, his, his handgun, and somebody is smashing up windows and swinging a weapon. These things end very badly for the person. They'll, they'll get tased, maybe even shot. In a riot control situation, what's happening, they use less lethal. If you take away less lethal, the only option for police is going to be their taser or their gun. And, and, and even in this instance, maybe they can't even use their tasers. I don't know. Nope, nope, you can't use it. Well, the cops said, we're not going to put ourselves in danger. Nope. Because the cops don't want to go out and shoot people with live ammo. And if they can't do anything to protect themselves with less lethal munitions, why would they come out? That's you, Seattle. You keep voting for it. It's what you get. In his ruling, Robar determined that the situation required further discussion between the city and Justice Department, which years ago entered a settlement agreement regarding a police department overhaul because of past complaints about excessive force and biased policing. 
Robart called his restraining order blocking the law very temporary and advised the city and the Justice Department to engage in constructive discussions. This I understand. Prior to the judge's Friday ruling, Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best, in anticipation of the new law taking effect Sunday, announced plans for adjusted deployment uh, methods that she said were designed to protect police officers who would lack ac- access to the anti-riot weapons. But the judge's Friday ruling mo- uh, moved the chief's plan moot, at least for now. Meanwhile, on Thursday, the federal government plan arrived, uh, 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 arrived in Seattle carrying federal law enforcement officers who were expected to be deployed this weekend to protect federal buildings from any possible rioting. They would augment the deployment of local police. Here we go, baby. I hope you're ready for tonight because you saw it in Portland. Now it's going to be everywhere. This is the big weekend. The Portland riots are going to be are close to hitting their two month mark. If not, they've already done it. And the media is going to lie every step of the way. They've been doing it. Let me just wrap this up for you with this because it, it really does strike at the core of my being. Two videos went viral showing police with with their badges. CBP, I believe, was on their arms. You can see the patches on their arms and their badge number and police on their chest. And the narrative emerged that unidentified secret police were marching around snatching up people. Complete and total lie. And from that, the narrative has become this weird vision. You know, I'm talking to activists and they think that there's like hundreds of people being disappeared. It's just literally two people who were questioned for an hour and a half and let go. That was it. And the judge said, what do you mean? In in these videos, I can see they're wearing police and said, buzz off. You're wrong. Well, the state is going up against the Fed. We'll see how this plays out tonight. There is some more. uh, One quick update. There's going to be two militias marching against each. uh, They're they're countering each other. I'll put it that way in Louisville. So today it's going to get spicy. I'll see you all in the next video on this channel coming up at 1 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. Peace-loving black Trump super supporter shot dead hours after giving pro-Trump interview. A man named Burnell Trammell was gunned down in Milwaukee, Milwaukee shortly after an alleged dispute over his Trump signs. Why doesn't his Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter agitators? I'm not a fan of that question. I don't know. I really doubt people are going to speak up for this guy. I think it's fairly obvious to a lot of people. But I would say his life does matter. The real question is, why doesn't his life matter to the media? It's why I'm a critic of the media all the time. The the protests, the riots, the escalation, it's always because the media props up these stories. Not this one, but the other stories. And they falsely frame them. So when George Floyd lost his life, everybody in the media agreed this was an atrocity. It was horrifying. Let's blast it all over the news. I'd like to see something similar for this man. He was a black super Trump supporter. He has signs, 2020 Trump, 2020 reelect Trump, 2020. He knows what 2020 is all about. Holding a sign that says vote Donald Trump 2020. Apparently someone had talked to him about his support for the president. And then shortly later, when the guy came back, somebody had gunned this man down. And they believe it may have been related to his signs. I believe this man's life matters very much so. I believe black lives matter. Now the movement, the fundraising, the weird donations, the far left that are co-opting that name, are turning into something entirely different. If we want to talk about fighting for justice, it includes this man. I'd love to see the media actually bring it up and say Black Lives Matter. I don't think they will, though. I've gotten a lot of comments because of what's been going on in Portland. And I'm talking about the police, they're being attacked. And sure enough, like clockwork, 
You get a bunch of people commenting on Facebook saying things like, you never speak up about police brutality, blah, blah. The fake narrative, the fake narrative. How many moderate, liberal, independent conservatives, not progressives, did speak up about George Floyd? Basically every single one. All of them. I mean, you, you, you saw Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, talking about George Floyd. I, I dedicated countless hours to what had happened to George Floyd. I even read the coroner's report. And this is never enough for these people. And then when I put out a video like this, talking about the horrifying tragedy that is the loss of this man's life, they pretend like it's biased, like I don't actually care about the cause because it supports a Trump supporter. This man should not have died. He should not have died. And we don't know why. Now, Trump supporters are already saying he's a hero and he's a martyr. At the very least, there are two ways to view it. If it's true, this man got into an argument over his support for the president and was killed because of it. You better believe they will hold him. They will view him as a martyr, someone who died defending what he believed in. But at either either rate, it's a, it's, it's a sign of the escalation of crime, the crime that's been going around across this country, escalating specifically murders and gun deaths. Either way, he's a victim of everything that's happened in the past two months. I mean, for all we know, he owed somebody money, but I really doubt that was the case. What we have gotten, and, and, and you know what, regardless of that, what have we earned, truly earned from, from all of these riots? The far left has brought about police demoralization, the defunding of the police, and an escalation in, in lethal crime. That's all we've really gotten. And today, riots are still expected. They're expected to get worse than they've ever been, and they're escalating. And the real problem that I see is the media, because they're not going to put him on CNN primetime. They're not going to put him on MSNBC primetime. They're not going to say his life mattered. They're going to say he was internalizing racism or some other stupid nonsense, and they will completely ignore it. And when I post this on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else, they'll say I'm biased and only bringing it up to support Trump. They'll ignore every video I did about George Floyd. They'll ignore every time we've talked about Breonna Taylor. Because to them, it's all about power. That's why they won't talk about this man who, who, who should still be alive today. Let's read this story. Uh, this is from BizPack Review. They say, Marxist Black Lives Matter activists are curiously silent after black Trump supporter Bernal Trammell was murdered in Milwaukee hours after he reportedly gave an interview explaining why he supports President Trump. Police are investigating the possibility of a political motive for Trammell's tragic killing. News Talk 1130 reported. According to the Daily Callout, Trammell, 60, was gunned down on July 23rd near the very spot where he gave a video interview a few hours before explaining why he supported Trump. The motive is not clear, including whether the slang was tied to Trammell's political beliefs or Trump's support. Trammell was a Rastafarian street preacher who advocated for President Trump's reelection both in front of Milwaukee City Hall and in his black majority neighborhood. This guy apparently was very well known. I don't know anything about his beliefs. None whatsoever. He's got there, there, there's photos from a blog. He's got a bunch of stuff I don't understand about the tribes of Israel and things like that. Maybe he believes things I really disagree with. That's entirely possible. In fact, I bet it's I bet it's likely in all likelihood, this man probably believed a bunch of stuff I'd probably think was crazy. And it doesn't matter. This man is allowed to stand out with his signs and preach what he believes. That is the First Amendment. And we want to protect life. This is the, the most fascinating thing to me is how blatantly obvious 
It is right now with all of the fake news about Portland, how political everything is. The lies about every single action taken in Portland. The Portland the federal police standing on their property, being pelted with bottles and water and milkshakes and commercial grade fireworks. People are cutting through these fences with circular saws and starting fires. And the feds are being are just are standing there for the most part. But when they ever, whenever they finally come out and try and disperse the crowd, now they're the evil villains. And that's why we're not going to get this from MSNBC, from The New York Times. I mean, maybe. Look, let's, let's be fair. But the reality is what we learn from stories like this is that the news cycle is currently controlled by political operatives. That's it. I find I find it really funny because we often hear people say, like, the media won't cover it. Well, local media tends to. But national media is absolutely dominated by left wing voices. And this is the fault in in some ways of conservatives. Conservatives react to the left wing narrative instead of presenting a narrative and rolling with it. I don't know why they shouldn't do that. Many people have talked about it. It's also true that conservatives tend to comment on news reported by the left instead of reporting it on their own, which is why it's great to see BizPack Review bringing these stories up. Now, they absolutely do challenge the Marxist Black Lives Matter individuals. And I will and I will absolutely say that it's unfortunate that the phrase Black Lives Matter has has become a slogan for a far left group of individuals. Now, at its core, the true meaning of what it of what it is, does the life of a black person matter? You better believe it. And no one doubts that except for a few fringe group of awful racist people. Most people would see this story no matter what their political affiliation and they'd shake their head and they'd be sad. It's just a, it's just an old man with some signs, bro. Calm down. Why do you got to kill somebody over this stuff? It's horrifying. The same is true for people who are victims of police brutality. We got to have we got to have accountability here. Instead, what we're getting is political operatives in the media and on the ground taking advantage of the sentiment. And that's why you will not get this. You see, Fox 6 News, they covered it. Local news will cover it. People of Milwaukee will mourn for a man that they knew that they saw preaching all the time. And maybe a lot of people think he's crazy. I'll tell you what. I know some pretty crazy people and I would not wish this on them. No, I'm, I'm not even in fa- I'm, I'm opposed to the death penalty, man. I'm very much opposed to this. Let's read a little bit more. Police say Trammell was shot to death around 1230 p.m. in front of his business, Expression Publications. Trammell's storefront is plastered with Trump 2020 signs. Reggie Moore, The director of the Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that he had intervened in a dispute between Trammell and a young man that was related to a Trump sign that Trammell was carrying. I mean, well, there you go. The police haven't confirmed it, but we got a witness, right? It's the director of the Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention, not even some random witness. Trammell was well known in his neighborhood for his pro-Trump advocacy and his religious preaching. Neighbors fondly remembered Burnell, as a friendly, peace-loving man, the guy was just full of love, local residents Dick Nelson told Fox News. Adebisi Agoro said, whether you agree with Trammell's political views or not, people respected him because he had conviction. Unlike countless political phonies who chant hollow mantras, but don't understand what they're advocating. He was a community figure, Agro said. I respected him because he had a position. He got his opinion on why he feels that way, and I'm not going to knock him. Senator Ron Johnson tweeted, Burnell Trammell was known to many in Milwaukee. My condolences to his family and friends. I'm glad to see that there are people speaking up for this guy. And I'm sad to see that this has happened. And I know most of you know he's not going to be given the proper respects that he actually deserves. 
what we're going to see is a far left machine. They, I believe that right now, a lot of what we're seeing from the political establishment in support of Black Lives Matter is specifically because Donald Trump's support in the black community is going way, way up, according to several different polls. Not all of them, not all of them, but there's at least three or four polls showing Donald Trump has massive support from the black community. Donald Trump today retweeted a man who was talking about how the Democrats don't care about you. They rejected the stimulus bill all the same. And that it's never been about, you know, race. They don't don't care about your race. It's not even about Trump. It's just about power. Trump retweeted that. We're seeing, you know, we've all seen Kanye West. We are seeing the rise of prominent black conservatives. And this is what the message that gets sent to people. Now, some people have pointed out, we don't know what 100% what exactly happened to this guy. However, they do make note that black conservatives are are frequently attacked with, you know, accusations. they're, They're called racial slurs. I've personally witnessed these things. And this is what I just can't stand about the modern left. This is the, this is the nightmare, the nightmare scenario. When I talk to my friends and they're saying all of this propaganda, and guess what? They're all white. You start to see how truly horrifying it is, especially for me coming from Chicago. A large group of protesters in Chicago apparently went to the mayor's house demanding the police be defunded. Do you know where the crime happens in Chicago? Like the violent crime, the, the, the murder? It happens in the poor areas. It's not exclusively the black community. It's the South Side. And it, and it, and it ranges, you know, there's different minority groups across the South Side. We need the police. I've had my problems with cops, 100%. But these are the areas that need the police the most to be held accountable for one, but to actually make sure the crime doesn't happen. Now, of course, When a crime is happening, the police can't get there in time. They're not perfect. But the police patrolling can help prevent this stuff. They can help get criminals off the street to make sure that people don't lose their lives. And what ends up happening? Mostly white protesters from affluent areas that don't experience this crime go to the mayor and say, defund the police. It is shockingly racist. It is shockingly white supremacist. Now, maybe I don't mean it in the proper way they use it, they claim proper. What I mean is when you have a bunch of white people who live in, you know, affluent suburbs, and these are the progressives are mostly college educated, making hundred K a year. That's the, that's, that's the average progressive activist, according to the hidden tribes report. When they don't experience any of this crime or violence, and then go to the mayor and say, take away their police. This is exactly the problem with the defund the police movement. In the end, what do you get? Just like with the McCloskeys who are able to hire private security, you will see rich people when the police are defunded, hiring private security guards, buying weapons and defending themselves adequately. It will be the poor communities that will have no way of protecting themselves. It'll be the poor communities that are overrun with violent crime, taking away their resources. It's, the, it's truly a fascinating thing to behold that instead of saying police accountability and police reform, they're saying defund in some instances, disband and others abolish. Just get rid of it. Imagine if they went around saying that Medicare was, was, wasn't functioning properly, that it was corrupt. Therefore, we must abolish Medicare. You'd be like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Abolish Medicare. Why would you do that? People need access to medicine, even if it isn't perfect. Yeah, people need access. You'd say reform it, fix it, fix the problem. That's not what they're advocating for, though. They say defund means defund. It means take their money away. 
They say, yes, we mean abolish the police. And in the end, it is the poor who will suffer and the rich will have their fancy private communities, their gated communities, and they'll put armed guards in front of them. Many of these suburbs will put up fences and gates and they'll protect them. And they don't experience this level of crime anyway, because they don't live in these big cities. But they want to take away from you the people who are who swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and protect you. That's what they want to take away from you. Imagine if the fire department came out to like try and put a fire out and then they fumbled around, fell down and actually made the fire worse. And so they came out and said, abolish the fire department. You'd be like, wait a minute, there's still fires here. Okay, we just got to we got to we got to get a better fire department. Now, to be fair, many of them advocate for new kinds of policing. But if that were the case, you don't abolish the police because a small percentage and a very small percentage of police encounters go wrong. They have ulterior motives. They're lying. And that's why they won't tell you the story of this man, of this man, Bernal Trammell. They won't tell you his story. They're not going to prop him up. They're not going to put on the website. They're not going to prop up a Trump supporter. Of course they won't. It's sad stuff, man. We got some more. They say naturally the Marxist Black Lives Matter movement said nothing about this black life that was lost in street violence. Why? Presumably because because Trammell was murdered by a white cop. Uh, Wasn't. (laughs) Presumably because he wasn't murdered by a white cop. Black Lives Matter, they show this tweet. Seven years of fighting, growing, loving, and winning. Every day we have shown up for Black Lives Matter and we will continue. Deep bow of gratitude to all chapters and black led groups showing up for black life. Yeah, for sure. I'm down with that. I saw a video from PragerU and uh, Will Witt, their host, asks a, a group of young black men, I believe it was like at a skate park, maybe not. How many people, how many uh, uh, unarmed black men had been killed or black people had been killed by the police? And one guy says 1,400 in the past year. He's like, in the past year, how many think it have been killed? He's like 1,400, hundreds, thousand maybe. The answer is, depending on your source, nine or 13 have been shot and killed. The amount of, uh, of individuals who have been choked or killed is, is, is a, a bit higher but still extremely low relative to the hundreds of millions of police encounters that occur across this country every year. But the narrative is that the cops are bad. The cops are evil. The cops are doing wrong. And it's, it's propaganda. For those that aren't familiar, because I, I mentioned something called the scaling problem very often, but I do want to make sure I can mention it in this, in this scenario to, to explain how they manipulate the media. If 100 cell phones, you know, brand new, cool cell phones were released to 100 celebrities and 1% was broken, that's, that's a lot. You get one guy going, hey, my phone broke. And people would be like, how'd you break it? Why'd it break? That's weird. Most people wouldn't care. You hear one story about a broken phone, so what? But that's still 1%. Now, what happens if they issue 100 million of these new phones and it goes out to everybody, but a million of them are broken? That's still 1%, the same margin of error. But now a million people are screaming and everyone hears it and says, whoa, what's happening? All of the phones are broken. That's how social media works. One person in Portland gets gets grabbed in a viral video. A second person gets grabbed in Portland in a viral video. Two videos. That's it. Two videos. And the officers are wearing police patches and they have the patches on their arm identifying who they are with their badge numbers. And now there is a widespread narrative that secret police are roaming the streets of Portland, snatching up peaceful protesters who did nothing wrong, which is absolutely not true. This is the scaling problem. 
Because now with social media, you will have 100,000 people all saying the same thing, playing a game of telephone where they regurgitate fake news and then spew it out. And every time someone tweets a bit of fake news, someone else picks it up. It's called information laundering. And then eventually you end up with people who believe just absolutely psychotic information. Now, I've experienced this, uh, this myself. There was a post on a far left forum about bringing guns out in, I believe, Portland. And this is like a year ago. And so I tweeted it out like a far leftist is talking about bringing guns. Someone else then screen grabbed it, wrote an article and another article emerged and it says the far left is arming up for a riot. And that's information laundering, too. It's not unique to any one faction. The difference? Conservatives and moderates will be banned from social media like that. The left is allowed to engage in overt and insane conspiracy theories. I mean, take a look at what Twitter did with QAnon. I don't know much about it, nor do I care. I hear it's just a lot of bunk nonsense. So Twitter banned 7,000 accounts, shut down a bunch of links and said, no more of this. Okay, fine. Sure. Whatever. Your platform, right? But when it comes to left-wing conspiracy theories and fake news and lies like the police, they just let it go. You literally have two conspiracy theories. One that alleges Trump is fighting the deep state. To clarify what I mean about not knowing a whole lot about it, that's the gist of what I know about it. Like Trump is fighting with the deep state or something. That there is an establishment government that is out of control and fighting against the president that must be stopped. On the left, you have an insane conspiracy that Trump is a Cheeto dictator fascist who has deployed secret police around the country. He hasn't to secretly rendition and detain people. It's basically the same thing. What's the difference? And now thousands of people are showing up and attacking federal law enforcement officers. Why does Twitter allow one and not the other? All that matters in the end is that they're skewing people's perspective of what's going on, leading to a lot of dumb people to just believing the fake news, ignoring stories like this and banning those who dare call it out. In the end, regular Americans who aren't politically active are probably sitting there right in the middle as the whole narrative shifts to the far left. In the end, I imagine regular people aren't going to be happy with this. There was an ad that was produced about the riots in Portland. I tweeted about this and it shows the mom block linking arms. It shows the federal law enforcement officers beating that guy who was standing, you know, in front of the fire, the, the guy who claimed to be a, a Navy vet. And they say that Trump is a fascist. He's a dictator. And this is Trump's secret police and all that. And I thought to myself, they really underestimate American selfishness. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, Americans, like any other person, are focused on improving their lives, taking care of their friends and their family. It's what we do. Not all of us are thinking globally. Though many of us do want to make sure we are, we are respectful to our communities and the larger global community within reason, most people right now are probably just thinking about what I've got to do, what work I'm doing, what I'm going to eat for lunch. And guess what? They are not rioting, least of all, protesting. So when this ad was purchased and it shows the police pushing on a group and there's tear gas everywhere, what do you think Americans will be thinking when they see that ad? The idiots who produced the ad will, because they're, they have no idea what's really happening in this country. They're of the perspective that as soon as the American people see these police officers, you know, tear gassing people, that they'll side with us. Do you know what people really see? They see a riot. That's it. That's all they see is a riot. And they get scared. And then you say Trump is going to send in the police to shut everything down. They're going to be like, good, make it stop, period. 
They're not, they're, they're not protesters. They're not rioters. And they're not going to sympathize with those who are rioting and protesting. And that's where we are today, man. I don't know, kind of a, a kind of, kind of broke away off the, the subject at hand. But let me, let me make sure I wrap it up with, you know, talking about this man, Bernal Trammell. I don't, I don't know what these signs mean about Prophet Jonah. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about Rastafarianism or, or whatever that, whatever he represents. I don't know. I don't know who he was. I don't know if he was a good guy, a bad guy. I don't know if he saved a bag of kittens moments before this. I don't know if he, if, if he, if he hurt a bag of kittens. I don't know anything. The point is he deserves to have his story told. He should be alive right now. His life mattered. The same as Breonna Taylor, the same as, as George Floyd and these people who have lost their lives. His life mattered. Of course, it's not going to be mainstream, high-level news cycle news unless we decide it is. Like David Dorn as well. Fine, CNN, MSNBC, they'll ignore it. Well, then we won't. We will be the ones who say Brianna Taylor should be alive. George Floyd should be alive. And this man, Bernal Trammell, should be alive too. How about we be the ones to make sure we say that, that these lives, the lives of people, it, it, they matter. And I'll tell you this, as I've said before, if someone comes to me and says black lives matter, I'll say, here, here, you're right. You're right. They do. I think the lives of everybody matters. And if you want to use this to represent the loss of life in this community, that should not have happened. I will stand with you when civil rights are violated. And if you want to talk about the police officers who are being injured and being blinded, three officers maybe may have permanently lost eyesight due to the lasers in their faces, their life, their lives matter as well. You want to talk about the cops who've lost their lives in the line of duty? Their lives matter all the same. You have no right to take someone's life. I 100% oppose the death penalty. There's a, lar- 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 a, b- a much larger conversation around this because just to clarify as we, f- as we wrap up, when we defend ourselves, sometimes tragedy happens and we should, we should never celebrate having to end someone's life be, you know, in the name of defense of, of ourselves or our, our communities. That's that's the main point I want to say when I say I oppose the death penalty. But sometimes, you know, things are bad. In this instance, this dude should be standing there on the street corner today holding up his sign. And he's not. But he mattered. So it's up to you guys to make sure that people hear this and learn about it and ask the question, why won't the media bring this guy up? I'll see you all at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Thanks for hanging out. The game is rigged. and We all know it right now. Black Lives Matter protests are ongoing in the Pacific Northwest. The media is lying about what's really happening. They're blaming the federal government for the extremists who are lobbying fireworks and trying to cut through fences and tear them down. And we're seeing images and videos of things like this. Kyle Kashuv tweeted out a video. Many people tweeted out this video from a protest in Chicago where large groups of people are dancing around and having a good time. Now, you know what? I'm watching these people dance around in Chicago and I dig it. You want to show up with your friends and have a peaceful public gathering while you're allowed to do that under the First Amendment. The problem is, as Kyle puts it, you are not allowed to go to church. You are not allowed to see your dying relative. You are not allowed to attend funerals. But Black Lives Matter is absolutely allowed to do what they do. The bigger news from the other day is that the Supreme Court rejected an appeal for, for larger church congregations in Nevada. So apparently you're allowed to gamble at resorts, but you can't go to church. And this is a widespread problem that is shredding up the First Amendment. The Constitution is becoming Swiss cheese. And what happens when you try and point this out? 
Well, as Kyle learns the hard way, the first response that pops up is that he's dog whistling to racists by pointing out you can't go to church. That's the go to the only thing they have for this. Here's the story. Supreme Court rejects Nevada church plea to allow larger congregation. The court voted five to four against the request. The government shall make no law. If you want to go to church, you go to church. If you want to gather, you gather. Why is one okay and not the other? You know, it's, it's, the, it's probably the 50 billionth time I've talked about it. And it's getting to the point where I don't know what to tell you anymore. We know the system is broken. We know Black Lives Matter protests across the country continue nearly two months after George Floyd's death. We know Mayor Bill de Blasio says no public gatherings. But what about Black Lives Matter? Oh, now that one, that's okay. He actually said that in an interview with CNN. So what do you do? I don't know. Your constitution is Swiss cheese. Supreme Court has turned against you. What can you do? I have no idea. Honestly, none. Because Black Lives Matter protests are allowed. The media will lie to protect them when they get violent. And you can't even go to church. You can't go to funerals. I'll tell you one thing you can do. For one, you can speak up, share videos like mine and others, and you can certainly go and vote. Hopefully, liberty wins out at the, in the end, but I don't know. So I showed you that video first, but I, I do want to talk about the Supreme Court ruling, perhaps boring to some people, but this is a serious strike at our fundamental rights. I personally am not religious, but the First Amendment is the First Amendment that encompasses more than just the right to, to freedom of religion. It's the right to peaceably assemble. There is no more peaceably assembly, peaceable assembly than a bunch of people gathering around and, and praising their religion or worshiping or whatever they want to call it. But when you have large protest groups, well, there's a real potential for violence. When was the last time you heard a story about widespread churchgoer violence where people were showing up for Sunday mass and then all of a sudden the city was left on fire? Yeah, not really happening. So why one and not the other? I honestly can't tell you. In my opinion, it's only going to make religious folk angry and want to vote for someone who will defend their rights. I can't tell you, man. I really can't. Check this out. And this is crazy because apparently Roberts sided with the liberals. He's supposed to be a conservative. The Supreme Court on Friday rejected a Nevada church's request to block the state's cap on attendees for religious services amid the COVID pandemic. The court voted five to four against the request filed by Calvary Chapel Dayton Valley, with Chief Justice John Roberts siding with the liberal leaning justices. The decision keeps in place a limit of 50 people in houses of worship due to the pandemic. The church had argued the cap was an unfair attack on its First Amendment rights to free exercise of religion. It is. It pointed out that the state allowed higher caps for restaurants and casinos, 50% capacity, but would not let its 90 person congregation assemble even with social distancing protocols. A federal court upheld the state's policy and the church sought an appeal last month at the Ninth Circuit. The conservative justices wrote in their dissent that the decision revealed preferential treatment for for-profit enterprises over houses of worship. The world we inhabit today with the pandemic upon us poses unusual challenges, wrote Neil Gorsuch. But there is no world in which the constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. The Supreme Court's decision was issued without comment, but in it, in his June decision against the church, U.S. District Judge Richard Bowlware wrote that other secular institutes that partake in activities similar to a house of worship are also restricted. Other venues with congregating audiences, 
such as museums, movie theaters, and concert venues are subject to similar stricter restrictions. It is not enough for Calvary, uh, Calvary to demonstrate that the directive is intermittently not being enforced against secular activities. Bolware wrote in his decision, Calvary must also demonstrate that defendants are only enforcing the directive against places of worship. This is really interesting because wouldn't it still be a violation of the right to peaceably assemble? It shouldn't matter what the circumstances are. The right shall not be infringed. So if a bunch of people want to show up, can't they? He also rejected the comparison between houses of worship and casinos, pointing out they operate differently and that casinos also remain constricted by substantial COVID-19 related regulations issued by the Nevada Gaming Control Board. The Supreme Court in May struck down a plea from a San Diego church that California's lockdown order was inhibiting its right to free religion. That decision also fell narrowly along ideological lines, with Roberts siding with the liberal faction. Roberts argued against the courts intervening in states' responses to a public health crisis. The precise question of when restrictions on particular social activities should be lifted during the pandemic is a dynamic and fast intensive matter subject to reasonable disagreement. I have a theory. Maybe Justice Roberts is secretly trying to guarantee a Trump victory come November. You see, he keeps siding with the liberals. And if Ruth Bader Ginsburg is nearing retirement, and I think it's fair to say she is, Trump could appoint a conservative. But Trump will likely need to win another term for that to happen. If Justice John Roberts comes out, and again, I'm just I'm being silly here, mind you. If he came out and said, I'm going to side with the conservatives on all these things, well, they would be winning across the board, tons of rulings. And then a bunch of religious folk would become complacent and people wouldn't go out and vote. But now I'm sure many people are mad. Justice John Roberts has betrayed them. They must fight tooth and nail to guarantee Trump wins so that Trump can appoint another Supreme Court justice who will side with them because they're losing. If they were winning, they'd sit back and say, we're winning. What does it matter? And then Biden would win and he'd replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a liberal. Maybe that's the real plan. I don't know. I think all I can really say is that Justice John Roberts is siding with the liberals. It's all that really matters. Meanwhile, Black Lives Matter protests haven't stopped. And I'm, I'm glad CNN wrote this story, to be, to be honest. I'm, I'm glad they did. Because I've talked about a lot. I've talked a lot about how most people don't know that it never ended. The far left has still been going out in various cities across the country and protesting, often very peacefully. And that's great. Large groups. But there's also been ongoing riots and violence, especially in Seattle and, of course, Portland, you know. So how are we even still having this discussion? Seriously, I care so little about the pandemic right now. I don't it, 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 it hasn't. It, look, to be honest, I'm a bit of a homebody because I work 16 hour days. But for me, I haven't gone to the movies in a long time, went out to eat last week or something, whatever. You know, I, I, I'm sick of the nonsense. I, I can't tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I can only tell you that the contradictions, the fake news and the lies have become too much for me to bear. How are you going to have two months of nonstop protests and then these videos of people dancing in the street, the, 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 the thousands of people in Portland every day, but then claim that our businesses should be shut down? It makes no sense. How are you going to argue you can't go to church, but you can go to Caesar's Palace? Now, I get the argument the judge was making. They each have their own specific restrictions. Yeah, well, you can't stop someone from peaceably assembling. That, then, Whatever. But here we go. They say, CNN says, 
The uh, Black Lives Matter protests were rekindled after George Floyd. Portland, Oregon has remained a flashpoint. In other parts of the country, the protests in Portland were mostly, uh, <laughs> as in other parts of the country, okay, CNN, the protests in Portland were mostly peaceful, though they have as, at times devolved into violence, vandalism, and arson. Literally every night they do, okay? But at least they're telling people it's actually happening. So we got Chicago. Look at this. Did you know this? Uh, they gathered at Lori Lightfoot's. We got LA, New York City, Boise, Denver, Los Gatos. Los Gatos, California. They're protesting the 100 people. How many people live in Los Gatos? Is that big city? I've never even heard of it. It means the cats, by the way. I like it. Louisville, Roseville, Minnesota, Saginaw, Michigan. Strike for black lives in 100 cities across this country. The protests haven't stopped. So, so um, look, with all the, 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 the poor reporting CNN does, I'm glad they're at least still letting people know what's happening. That way, people like me can see it and say, I don't care about your stupid church rules. I, I just it, it means nothing to me. Talk to your doctor for your advice on what to do about the pandemic and ignore the politics of it, because the politics of it is completely broken. Everybody's lying. And why should I be bothered to listen to what what these arguments are in the political space? I'll talk to my doctor. We'll do our best. But I'll tell you what, man, the system's broken. When I see my left wing friends complaining, I'm like, you realize this is why people don't believe you, right? I'll leave it there. A couple more segments coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Joe Rogan is out. He is leaving Los Angeles, moving to Texas because Los Angeles sucks and we all know it. Okay, I'm kidding. But Los Angeles is overcrowded. It's got a ton of problems, especially with the rise of COVID. And people are starting to leave big cities. It's not just Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is more like a canary in a coal mine. You see, Joe has the means, the capability, but actually a disincentive. What's really fascinating about this story is that a lot of people are leaving New York, LA and big cities for obvious reasons. The rise in violence, you know, the, the, the overcrowding, homelessness, like he mentions, COVID has really scared people and they got out of big cities due to proximity to other people. Density was a problem. Joe Rogan has the ability to basically snap his fingers and relocate. Now, I know he's got a company, he's got a studio, he's got to move. I wonder if his new studio will look different or he'll keep it the same. But he's also got some disincentives. He's a comedian. He's in LA. This is the place to be, right? Well, even with that, he's out. And we're seeing something truly interesting, I suppose. This is a story from a couple weeks ago. Shark Tank investor Herjavik. We're about to see the biggest exodus from cities in 50 years. Guess what? You know, I want to read this story about Joe and why he's moving. I'm leaving too. Right now, I'm in the Philadelphia metro. I'm very, very close city. It's like a 15, 20 minute drive. I'm just in the suburbs. So it's, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in South Jersey, but I'm just on the other side of the river. Very easy to go to the city. I don't want to be here. First of all, New Jersey's trash. I don't want to be in Jersey. And I don't want to be this close to a city for all the obvious reasons. Population density. You've got COVID, riots, all that stuff. I'm not going to stick around moving into November. No, thank you. I don't think November is when everything's going to break down. But I feel like things are going to break down. So it's not just Joe. It's not just me. It's potentially the biggest exodus from cities like that Shark Tank investor said. Think about what that means for you, your investments, your homes, your property, your assets, your retirement. Think about what that means. Let's read the story from The Blaze. They say, Joe Rogan, host of one of the most popular podcasts on the planet. I'm going to go ahead and say it's the most popular podcast on the planet said that he decided to move from the Los Ange- from Los Angeles, California to Texas because he wanted a little bit more freedom. And there it is. 
I agree. I also want more freedom. I don't like this place. I'm going to go somewhere way more free. It's going to be a lot of fun. Rogan explained further the decision behind his move during his podcast with guest Joe DeSena, the CEO and founder of Spartan and Death Race. I'm out of here, said, said Rogan. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Texas. I just want to go somewhere in the center of the country, somewhere it's easier to travel to both places and somewhere where you have a little bit more freedom. Also, I think that where we live right here in Los Angeles is overcrowded. And I think most of the time that's not a problem, but I think it's exposing the fact that it's a real issue when you look at this number of people that are catching COVID because of this overpopulation issue. When you look at the traffic, when you look at the economic despair, when you look at the homelessness problem that's accelerated radically over the last six years, seven, 10 years, I think there's too many people here. I think it's not tenable. So he says, I don't think that's manageable. I don't want, I'm just going to, you get the point. Joe's leaving. He said it in his own show. Maybe you heard it, but here's the bigger issue. And here's why I lead with Joe Rogan. I lead because you'd think that with, you know, he does the stand up stuff, but because of COVID, he can't anymore. And that's the big picture. Joe has every reason to stay in Los Angeles. You got tons of celebrities. That's, that's good. That's, that's easy, uh, easy sourcing of guests for his show. Joe can do comedy in LA, easy sourcing for venues, but he can't now. It's hard to do sit down guest podcasts. I know we do one here and we haven't had, we haven't had a guest in months because of COVID. You can't do stand up for the most part in a state like California because of COVID. So they have removed all of the reasons why anybody would want, anyone would stay in these places. And with it, someone as wealthy and, and determined and powerful as Joe will be leaving and taking that tax base with him. CNBC reports Shark Tank investor Robert Herjevic said Thursday he believes the coronavirus pandemic has shifted attitudes about city leaving, living, altering the dynamics of the real estate market for years ahead. This is one of the greatest moves to the suburbs from urban areas since the 50s or 60s, he said. I recently moved out of LA into a suburban area. And I can tell you on a very personal level, level, my area is on fire in the suburbs. Wow. Quote, everybody wants to leave large urban communities and move out into the suburbs, said Herjavik. Herjavik. Her, 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 her I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. Who also owns stakes in many small and medium-sized businesses. And I think urban real estate is going to hurt for a little bit. I, com- I believe as well. Yeah. On Wednesday, new data showed New York City apartment vacancy in June hit a, a record high of 3.67%, more than 10,000 apartments listed on the market that month, an 85% increase with June of last year, according to a report from Miller Samuel and Douglas Elliman. The report largely attributed the spike to brokers being unable to show apartments due to business restrictions. Yikes, man. You may have seen me. I talked about this in New York City, that in the past 30 days, there have been about, I think it's 7,000 listings. In the past 90 days, there were 12,000, which means, do the math, the past 30 days have seen a major spike in listings. The same is true right now for Los Angeles. In the last 30 days in LA proper, it's like the county, I suppose, there's 2,367 listings. In the past 90 days, there's 4,389. What that means is 30, the last month has double what the previous months had in terms of list, list, listings. Now, obviously, some listings go away. That's the important factor. Some people buy things within this time frame. So it's not perfect math. I've, I've tried to make that clear. I don't think I did a good job of it. 
But we are seeing more listings. And that's a point brought up specifically. There's more listings. And it's for a variety of reasons, not just because people are leaving, also because many people can't actually go and see properties. So they end up stagnating. But that doesn't necessarily explain why the spike is, is occurring. So let's let's try and break the math down. Some people said, Tim, you're missing the point. It, you know, the, the listings from 90 days ago, many of those actually get bought up. I say, no, you're missing the point. They can't show the properties. Get it? They can't show the properties. Nobody can rent them. The riots break out in June and listings spike. That's the point. I know, I know the math's not perfect, but you get the point. Cities are in free fall. People are leaving. Nobody wants to live here for a variety of reasons. And you're seeing it now with Joe Rogan and you're seeing it with, with me personally. When COVID broke out, the governor of New Jersey did such a horrifying job. I'm not talking about like, wow, what a bad politician. I'm talking about killing elderly people in nursing homes level bad job. And that's scary. I'm talking about sending in police to a local gym because they were doing social distancing workouts and that was too much for them to bear. Meanwhile, the Dollar General literally attached to the same building had normal traffic. Why? It made no sense. The whole thing was ridiculous. So I'm done with this, okay? I don't want to be in an urban area. I don't want to be in New Jersey. And I'm going to get out same as most of these other people. Realogy Holdings CEO Ryan Schneider told CNBC on Thursday that company is all, uh, that the company is also observing the coronavirus' impact on where people are looking to live. The suburbanization trend has been the strongest in the New York City area, he said. But it's not limited to it. The real estate company, which owns such brands as Coldwell Banker and Century 21, also is seeing the trend in California and other areas. In every urban geography, the web traffic of people and what they're searching for has changed versus six to 12 months ago to be much more suburban. Even in the urban geographies where the rotation has not happened in the actual housing purchase and sales yet, the consumer searching is going in that direction. And we continue to see that through the whole COVID crisis in the last three months. The coronavirus pandemic has brought about questions for the real estate industry, both in the commercial and residential sectors. On the commercial side, uncertainty persists about the long-term shift to remote work, which many companies adopted in March in a bid to slow the spread of COVID-19 and how it will impact demand for office space. You know what? I'll wrap it up with, uh, with a totally non, total, well, relative non sequitur. War with China. And immediately everybody went, wait, 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 what, Tim, what? We're talking about cities and economy. No, no, hold on. I want to I go there. A lot of people are fleeing cities. We are decentralizing our economy in many ways. We're moving out, and this is going to help urbanize certain areas in the burbs and also suburbanize certain rural areas. Not all good, not all bad. Some of it is good. We are facing a potential war with China, a dramatic escalation. The exodus from cities into more rural and suburban areas can help make sure that if we do get attacked, we will be decentralized a bit more. If everybody lives in New York and LA, then in a war, they just target those cities and then we're in serious trouble. So for all of the bad that's come with COVID and all of the bad that's come with the riots, it's going to help us uh, tactically, I suppose, if we do end up seeing a hot war with China. Though I do think it's more likely going to be cyber warfare. I think it's going to be information war. We'll see how things play out. But there is an, a net benefit to everything we've seen. I think the Second Amendment is now stronger than ever. I went out and bought a bunch of guns for the first time. A lot of other people bought a, lot of, a bunch of guns and a lot of people moved out of big cities. So we're seeing it for a lot of reasons. 
I don't know what we can expect coming going forward. But I'll tell you this. I do not want to be where I am by November. That's just me. I don't know if you guys want to stick around in your cities if you live in a city, but I'm going to choose to not be in the city when the election time comes around. Maybe I'm paranoid, but I'll tell you this. Remember when I said a year ago on the Rogan podcast, things are going to get spicy. It's going to get crazy. And I'm building a van to GTFO. Well, the spiciness is here. Two months of rioting. All right. Don't don't take my word for it. Maybe it all calms down. I don't know. But I'm going to take care of myself. I hope you do the same. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. Because there is no end. There's no point at which enough is enough. No matter what you give them, the far left will demand more. And this is why we are seeing as the national anthem was played, NY Liberty and Seattle Storm walked off the floor as part of the social justice initiative. Oh, just kneeling, right? It was just kneeling during the anthem. Now they're literally leaving the room during the anthem. This, this pisses me off. You want to kneel? Fine. You want to leave the room? Fine. The kneeling? Okay, you're making a statement. I don't like that either. That makes me angry because I feel like at this point, you're bowing down to some fringe ideology that flies in the face of all of the progress of this country and our civil liberties. Civil liberties and civil rights law that my family counts on, you are spitting in their face. In California, I'll say it for the 50 billionth time, it's this initiative, it's these people that are trying to get the civil rights law repealed. And they voted for it in the Assembly and the Senate. And it's going to go to a referendum and they're going to approve it. That's my prediction. And they walk out on our national anthem. If you don't want to pledge allegiance, if you don't want to hold your hand over your heart, you don't have to do it. And if you want to leave, that's every right as well. But I'm sick and tired of them calling it social justice. I'm sick and tired of them pushing further and further every day. And they will. Soon they'll demand we not even play it. And they'll say, no one's even in the room anyway. So just stop playing it. Then they'll say, don't display the flag. No one's in the room anyway. They're already trying to take back all of the progress we earned through the civil rights era. I'm not joking. Look it up. Well, now it's going a bit beyond just leaving you know, the rooms. We're seeing calls for a boycott. Okay, you know what? I'm game. I didn't watch anyway. Does anybody really watch the WNBA? I was going to pull up the family guy joke, but for copyright issues, I can't. But check this out. Aubrey Huff says, in response to the Red Sox putting up a Black Lives Matter billboard, hey, Red Sox, may as well paint on the green, paint on the green monster in bold lettering. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. That statement is literally on the Black Lives Matter website. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy with where things are going. You know, never been a big sports fan, but I like the Super Bowl. I like the World Series. Like most regular people, and I mean regular people, not sports fans. I'd go to a sports bar with my friends. I'd order some nice boneless wings with some garlic Parmesan sauce, the best. And you'd watch the game in the background or the fight. Not a big sports fan. But when the big MMA fight is happening, we go get, we go get wings, have a drink, and we hang out with our friends. And that's our entertainment. The same is true for baseball. This is what I've been saying for quite some time. You know, when it came to gamer, uh, Gamergate stuff, video games, card games, my first reaction was, I don't care if somebody wants to make a video game that's super woke, because I just won't buy it and I'll play the games that I do like. Now, like, they, they started encroaching into other, other spaces, like card games, like Magic the Gathering. At first, I said, look, man, 
Stop trying to change the game. I just want to make the vampire dude fight the goblin dude. It's a fun strategy game. Don't make it political. Then they started banning cards for being racist. Now they're kneeling and putting up protest signs at baseball games, and I'm getting angrier and angrier, and I am getting really angry about it. I am not even a fan of baseball. I just want to sit in a bar, have some boneless wings, and have the game play in the background while me and my friends talk about what's been going on in our lives, because sometimes we just don't want to talk about politics. I talk about it for four hours per day. They've shut the bars down. Cuomo says no ordering wings. That one doesn't doesn't count. Haven't been able to. I, I went to a one restaurant in the past couple of weeks. Now it's getting annoying. Everything's political. Everything's a protest. The protests are allowed. The people are kneeling at the ball game, and now they're actually walking out on the national anthem. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I wasn't a big fan to begin with, but I'm I'm the opposite of whatever a fan is at this point. Calls to boycott Major League Baseball trends after players kneel during national anthem. I am holding myself back from swearing, okay? Not necessarily at these people, but at the concept of politicizing everything, the things that should not be politicized. You want to see riots and outrage? Keep doing this. I warned about this. I warned about this. I did. Last year, when I said, how long until you think the social justice initiatives come for major league sports? You want to see outrage? Wait till they do that. It's one thing when they say this video game needs to have a strong, positive message for social justice causes. And people got mad. It's another thing when your baseball players are all kneeling and wearing the shirts and putting up the banners. That's right. Bend the knee to our ideology. Your entertainment be damned. We want you to talk about politics and revolution. Well, guess what? You're going to lose your fans. Not that you can have them in the stands anyway because of COVID, but you're going to lose your fans. And you're already seeing a ton of people. The best thing they could have done, literally nothing. You know why? If Major League Baseball did nothing, then people wouldn't care. Like nobody would say anything. But they decided to enter the fray and now you will reap what you have sown. People like me who barely were fans to begin with, but would go to a ball game for fun. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I think I've been to one ball game in the past four years. It's a fun thing to do every so often. Some people have season passes. Some people want to go to every single game. It is a fun thing to do. Man, look, sitting in the stands, you get a nice ballpark dog. Those are some of the best, right? Get some nachos, some drinks, maybe some wings, hang out with your friends. You know, I saw this really cool thing. I guess it's like a common thing where it's a cup and the lid of the cup is actually a dish that holds your French fries and you can drink and then dip the fries. How awesome is that? Now that is ingenuity. That is American invention right there. Now what's this? Now I don't even want to think about it. Because listen, if you want to protest, that's fine, man. I don't care. It's America. For me personally, there's very few places of refuge now to get away and sort of detox. Every day I read nothing but news. The last thing I want to see is when I when I when I want to sit down with somebody and be like, oh yeah, they're gonna there's baseballs on. Ah, huh? yeah, they'll go, oh, the guy's got it's a home run. And then everyone's doing this Black Lives Matter kneeling thing, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna put on cartoons or something. I'm gonna put on some cartoons from 2010 before all this stuff started happening. Yo, I got good news for you. I got good news for you if you're a part of the industry. You may have lost all your fans because they can't come out to, you know, because of COVID. And you may have lost many fans because you decided to get political. But the good news is they decided to go full on Black Mirror in one of the creepiest things I have ever seen. 
virtual fans will be digitally placed when they play these games. Good. You'll need the fake robo fans because you won't have any real ones left after all the stupid things you're doing. But I gotta, I gotta be honest. This, this fake fans thing, look at this. No fans, not on Fox Sports. Thousands of virtual fans will attend the game. They are putting fake CGI people in the stands. This is one of the creepiest, most nightmarishly dystopian things I have ever seen. You know what? Fine. Major League Baseball can go down in flames. You reap what you have sown, period. Look at this. The Verge writes, Fox Sports will use virtual fans created an unreal engine to fill empty stadiums and MLB broadcasts. This is horrifying and awful. It's just the worst thing. You can do the politics, man, but this may be the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. I cannot get over how grotesque this is. Now, I'm not exaggerating. If you got no fans, well, then you put no fans in the stands. You can't have fans because of COVID. Well, too bad you don't get fans in the stands because of COVID. Are we, are we really doing this black, uh, uh, this black Mirror thing? You ever see that episode where the people live in these tiny cubicles and, and then their, their walls are screens and their avatar is in the stands during the shows? This is what we're doing. It's even worse in some other places. Take a look at this one. They're putting cardboard cutouts of people. I'm sorry, man. I think we've fallen apart. I guess 2020 was the year the United States finally just could not bear it any longer. The media is ripping people apart. It's creating insane divisions. It's lies stacked on lies stacked on lies. The politics politics then infect things like baseball, which aren't supposed to be overtly political. They can be to some degree. Sometimes politics seeps in, but this is just way over the top. And then and now here's where we are. The American people have been replaced by cardboard cutouts, not an exaggeration, and digital CGI people. Because oh, there's nothing left, man. Our culture has been stagnating for a while. COVID is an unprecedented disaster. And maybe we'll get through this like we have many other hard times. And there'll be a dramatic change. And hopefully it'll be for the better. I worry that it'll actually be for the worse because you've got a bunch of very prominent, insane people in high levels of, of media and cultural institutions. And now they're in baseball. Now, something that was literally just a dude with a bat, got a, got a piece of wood, someone going to throw a ball, he's going to hit it, has now become a protest for Black Lives Matter. I'm not going to watch it. And not because it's about the politics necessarily, but because I want to get away from the politics. What I mean is, I'm not here to say I am angry about this specific, you know, uh, uh, protest slogan. It's more so, don't get political. You want to have the national anthem? I like that. I'm an American. You want to pledge allegiance to the flag or whatever? I'm fine with it. Fine. I'm an American. You want to have a bunch of different religious ideology cult stuff? I'm out, man. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. I, I don't want to be involved in this. We'll see how this plays out. This could be possibly the worst get woke, go broke we've ever seen. And we just had, you know, A&E cancel Live PD, a $300 million program. Maybe this will be worse. Let's see how the numbers do when you play these games with politics. Why? Because opposition to Black Lives Matter is on the rise, now at 36% among all demographics, according to CivIQ. You have just lopped off a third of your potential viewer base. Why? So you can say some words? I'll see you guys tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.